Grab your favorite caffeinated beverage and get cozy because you are listening to Mindful as a Mother with Paige Bruce and Lindsay Adams. Hey everyone, Lindsay and I are very excited to announce that we are currently prepping a brand new video series. This series is for the parents frustrated by navigating the emotional roller coaster of their children. So many times we hear my kid goes from zero to 60 so quick, there's nothing I can do and I'm not sure how to handle it. Well, this video series is for you. We're going to walk through what it is to have this type of emotional experience and when to offer compassion, connection, and support. We're also going to walk you through skills to teach yourself and your children to help you manage these emotions. If you want to be the first to know when this comes out, very soon. Check out the link in our show notes to sign up for that newsletter. Thanks, guys. This podcast is not intended to be a substitute for therapy or the therapeutic relationship, and the information given in this podcast is purely for educational purposes and is not intended to replace the advice of a professional. Hello, and welcome back to Mindful as a Mother. My name is Lindsay, and I'm here with Page. Hi guys. And today we are talking about how to help your children recognize what tasks affect their energy levels or how you can also recognize it in your children. Yeah. So this is the kids. It's about the kids. It's about the babies. And if you haven't listened to the first two episodes on this subject, that's going to be really important. So press pause, go back to the first episode on this and listen to that one and then the second and then come back here. Yes, Um, that will really help you build the awareness for yourself because we really need you to have an understanding of what it is before you can start to identify those types of behaviors and energy drainers for your kids. And I'm going to talk about the different categories that tasks and um, energy drainers, rechargers go into just as a quick recap, but for the full detail, you'll have to go back to the first episode. So... Red are the things that we use malicious motivation or emotional motivation for. This is like the things we end up in fight or flight pretty much to get done. Mm -hmm. Um, Green are the things that they are fun and they are refreshing and they charge our battery. Yellow is the stuff that's boring and has like no emotionality attached to it. Like dishes, laundry, doing your documentation. Blue are the things that can be recharging in moderation. Napping, binging Netflix, and scrolling on your phone. But if it's taken too far, it can make it harder to motivate yourself later. Let's just dive right in and say, or and talk about how these things show up in kids. Because in our kids, we recognize the state they are in based on their behavior. So what are some ways you can tell that your child is in red or using red to motivate? Um, so one of them happened this week, actually. Yeah. And I had asked my eight-year-old to do something and she was just like kind of flitting around, getting distracted, knowing it's not something she likes, putting away laundry. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and so I recognized, like I gave it some time. I recognized that she was getting distracted. I was like, Hey, do you remember when I asked you to do? 
And so then she immediately went from zero to a hundred mm-hmm. went, Ugh, fine mother. And it's the first time she ever called me mother. And so I'm sorry, the audio on that might be rough, but it was the first time she ever called me mother in her entire eight years. And so that kind of tickled me a little bit, but I didn't laugh or anything. Cause then she would have been really mad, but she like was procrastinating it. And then that was the kind of like pop off there. And then she went and did it. Mm-hmm. Um, but she was mad the whole time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I get this with Sam a lot too. It's like when, when you ask them to do something, it's that like anger and he'll go, oh, fine. He, that's what he's like, oh, fine. And that's his way of like, <laughs> I don't, he's like, and some of it as I think expressing, I don't want to do this and you're making me do this. Mm-hmm. I think we, this is where we see a lot of like, the fight response Mm -hmm. um, in kids and the power struggle. So if your child is power struggling with you a lot about doing a task, whether it's homework, whether it's chores, anything that they don't really enjoy doing. Because remember, these are the boring things that we use high emotionality for. And these are often the things that we need in life, you Mm -hmm. know. I would definitely say fight. At this point, we're on, we are on fight. Um, I have one kiddo that doesn't doesn't do fight necessarily, but it's like high emotional reactivity. Well, and the and fight like can be turned crying. inward mm-hmm. as well. So it's like fighting yourself. Like, I'm so dumb. I'm so stupid. I'm not any good at this. Why am yes. I going to do it anyway? Mm-hmm. The other piece, I, the disclaimer, I kind of want to add to this when we're talking about kids is if you have a kiddo that has that pathological demand avoidance aspect, right? This, mm-hmm. um, and... If your kid has it, you probably know what it means. But that is where expectations and demands, whether as simple as, hey, can you put your shoes on, trigger a feeling of a loss of autonomy, which then sends them into fight or flight. And there are kids, and this is a spectrum as well, that have like extreme levels of it or some that just have a little bit of it. Um, And I definitely see it in myself and my kiddos a little bit. Mm -hmm. And so this, um, they can go into red really easily, I feel like, because it becomes, any demand becomes a red. Yeah. Immediately. Yeah. Some of the, so when we're talking the different colors, the yellow, I really, in our, our family, I feel like yellow, which are the, the boring tasks that we feel like are going to take forever. We're not interested in doing them. We're not motivated. Yeah. This is where our motivation barriers are really found. Red is where we're using high emotionality, whether that's like self-shaming and spiraling or anger um, to get stuff done. Mm-hmm. So in the yellow, I'm thinking like, that's when I'm getting the power struggles without without the fight. That's when I'm getting the, like having to remind you multiple times. That's where I'm getting the pushback. That's where I'm getting the deliberate defiance. It's the avoidance. Is in yeah. the yellow. Um, I also want to point out as a parent and as parents are, are, this is where our parenting style and like being a responsive and aware parent is really important Mm -hmm. because how many parents, and I've even done this when your child is in the yellow, you use the red to motivate them by Mm -hmm. saying something like you go pick up your room right now or we're not going swimming. Right. Right. Like, so you use that emotion their emotional attachment to something. I'm taking away your iPad. I'm whatever threats we use as parents. And I, and I say we because I when I am in the red, I will fall into this very quickly with my kids, and then I'll have to like step it back. But um, we we probably unconsciously teach our kids to motivate themselves in this way in yeah. our parenting. Yeah, I 100% agree. Where we 
accidentally encourage the malicious motivation. Because mm-hmm. it's like... And that's... I mean, it's because that's the way we were parented. That's yeah. the way we motivate ourselves. It works. It You know what I mean? It, yeah. And so that there's no... And that's the reason I said unconsciously. We're not aware we're doing it. And I operate from the belief that most parents, if they're doing something that is quote unquote like harmful or unhealthy for the most part they don't know that they're doing it yeah that's that's exactly the paradigm I work from the general belief that I work from also yeah and I think I see it a lot too like when we're talking tweens teens because we're trying to reinforce that there are actual consequences for you doing stuff like you're not turning in your homework like and I think sometimes that can present as like your teacher's going to be mad that you waited so long to turn it in, right? So now we're using that moral character judgment, that attack on the self-esteem mm-hmm. as an emotionality motivator for them to get the assignment done and get it turned in. Yeah, and I think that it's tricky because with these this specific group of kiddos, we know that they are harder to motivate because of that dopamine deficiency. And so we, as a parent... Sometimes we just do what we feel like needs to be done to get them to do the thing. Mm -hmm. And so that's where it gets really hard to be. And that's why people say, well, this parenting technique doesn't work on my neurodivergent kid. It's like, no, it's not that it doesn't work. It just needs to be applied differently and understood from a different perspective because um, it is harder to motivate them. Yeah. So when we're talking... Like, clean your room or we're not going to go swimming, right? We're attaching emotionality to motivate them to complete something. So we're pushing them into the red. How do we, as parents, differentiate a consequence? Like, this is just a consequence versus, like, I'm pushing them into emotionality as a motivator. So for me, I believe that consequences should be established ahead of time and when you are calm, right? Like, Mm. and there's certain times where that's not really possible and they should be like a natural consequence. So, um, I would not, this is, this is what I would say is like, okay, the whole family's cleaning right now. And I know you don't want to clean your room and it's hard to get started. So what can I do to help you get started? The other thing with like room cleaning that needs to be taken into consideration, this is why neurodivergent kids are so hard guys, is because it's like, do they have the actual skill set to go clean their room on their yeah. own? Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, is that a thing? That's a whole other extra thing. And so if they genuinely do, they have the skill set, they've done it on their independently like 10 times, then okay, they do have the skill set. But um, there are different days when they may need different levels of support to do things Mm -hmm. and it's okay to let go of that so for me it's like okay if clean and the way I structure my life for my kids is that when we're doing tasks we're doing them as a family so that that body doubling piece really comes in we're all cleaning and I'm I'm the floater so I like go help the kids Mm -hmm. so um if it's a hard day, it's like, okay, I'll come sit in your room with you. Or um, with my girls the other day, they were having a really hard time picking up their room and they were fighting with each other and it was like using red to motivate. Um, so Tim just went and laid on their bed and was like, okay, hey, do this first, then do this first. And that helped them so much because they just needed someone in there with them. Yeah, to, to body double and then to, to piece be, it out. And to be a support. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I think just like being really aware of this and how it shows up in our kids. So back to your question. I would say, I would be like, would you like me to get started with you? Would you like me to tell you what to do first? Um, what do we need to make this happen? And and say we're going swimming directly after, I would say, I wouldn't take swimming away, but I would say, I'm really excited to go swimming and I know that you are too. And I hope that we can 
get this finished really quickly so we can go swimming. So it's not like emotionally loaded in the way of like, it's going to disappear, but -hmm. it's like that is still there. And it's a natural consequence of not getting our family chore time done is that we don't have as much time to swim. Yeah, that there will be less time versus Mm I am the power and authority and I'm taking it, which I think helps with the pathological demand avoidance also. Yeah. Because the whole ideal is that you are the authority removing autonomy. Yeah. I had a situation with my eight-year-old the other day. Um, And I can't remember what we were fighting about, but we were on a full-on power struggle over her, I think... It was some kind of part of her evening routine. Um, Anyway, so she's fighting with me back and forth. And I'm engaging in the power struggle. Like, I'm fighting back. I'm trying to get her to do things. I'm like, you won't. Oh, it was uh, brush her hair. It was brushing her hair. She has long hair. She does not like the sensory experience of brushing it. But she also doesn't want to cut it. Mm -hmm. And she's old enough to brush it on her own. But she did not want to do any part of her bedtime routine. Teeth, hair, none of it. Um, And we do it regularly all the time. So I know she has the ability to do it independently. So anyways, I'm not sure what happened, but we just got so wrapped up in it that I was like, okay, for every thing you don't finish of your bedtime routine, you owe me a dollar because this is my time that I'm taking to remind you Mm -hmm. to do it. And I should be compensated for my time, right? Mm -hmm. I was like trying to figure out how to make it like make sense. So we're in this power struggle. She's just like screaming at me and being really mad or whatever. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to stand by it then. So we get to where I'm like, hey, I told you you had until 830. It's 830. Now it's time for you to get in bed. What isn't done? And like, you have to pay me for that. Mm -hmm. So she was really upset about having to pay me the money and Mm -hmm. like do all these things. And I think it's because um, I took away her device. Like she was using a device and I was like, well, it's time to get ready for bed, even though you have more screen time technically on the Mm -hmm. device. Anyway, so I don't know what to do. Very defeated. She's screaming and crying, like, Mm -hmm. send her to bed. She gave me her money and was like real mad about it, like all the things. Uh, She's like, you're stealing from me. And I couldn't, I wasn't, I was like, well, you're not wrong. But also, I'm trying to make a point here, right? Mm -hmm. So I just, like, dug my heels in. Okay, we both, she goes to bed. We both have a little bit of time to calm down. And so she comes out and she was like, I'm sorry that I acted that way, which we've we've built up a lot to get to this point. Mm -hmm. Um, But I acknowledged that and I was like, thank you so much. I feel like it was really responsible for you to come out and apologize and, like, share with me and your feelings and you know, she did a great job articulating. And what she really wanted to do was stay up late with her dad after her sisters went to bed. Mm-hmm. And so she's like, mom, I really wanted to stay up late with dad. And she was using her device. I took it away. So that's why she immediately was like, well, I'm not going to do anything you want me to do. We mm-hmm. get into this power struggle. She's like, I really wanted to stay up late with dad. And I think because of my behavior that I probably need to go to bed instead. And we've talked about this before mm-hmm. in another episode. And I was like, I think that that is an appropriate consequence. And then she said, I think I also shouldn't use my device for three days. I was like, okay, I think that that's an appropriate consequence. And so I apologized to her for my interactions. And then I gave her back her money. And I said, I think the consequence that you decided on is more appropriate mm-hmm. than taking your money. And so I'd like to give this back to you. Mm-hmm. So that's just an example, I think, from my own life in parenting where I was caught up 
in the red. Like we have to get all these things done. We need to get these things done. Mm-hmm. Hyper focused on that part of it. And she's fighting me with it. And so I went to like something that she has a emotion, like she's very passionate about because she works very hard to earn her money. Um, and so she was very upset about it. So I was trying to leverage her connection with like something she cared about that she had worked really hard for to get her to do the thing that I needed her to do. Mm -hmm. And in the end, that wasn't the most like appropriate or logical consequence. Yeah. And I think it's so hard because in the moment we're just looking for something to motivate them and it's not, we're not meant, we're not meaning to do it in this way. And it is so nuanced and so tricky that sometimes, and I just want to normalize, we're going to mess it up. Like even like Paige and I fuck it up sometimes. I fuck it up a lot. Like, and I have to step it back and be like, whoa, like where did that come from? Mm -hmm. Like, and some of it is so unconscious. It just like comes out of your mouth and you're like, oh, okay. Well, that's not. Yeah. So I feel like this is a a very real example Mm -hmm. where I'm like, I don't know what to do. So I was just doing whatever I could in the moment and winging it. But also the power of, coming back later to repair and correct Mm -hmm. and to talk it through right like I think we don't need to talk it through in the moment when we're in red because no one's talking it's just a power struggle but coming back later and talking through it so you can be more aware in the future and she can be more aware in the future Mm -hmm. of where she's coming from as well yes and then we were both calm so then now there is an established consequence Mm -hmm. so I do now ask her when she isn't following directions or isn't getting the thing done or like intentionally telling me no to the thing I asked so what do you feel like would be an appropriate consequence if this doesn't get done and it's like okay each scenario is different but when I know we're moving into this like yellow I'm like what what is an appropriate consequence if this doesn't get done. So much of parenting for me and in helping other people, I've recognized the same thing when it comes to motivation, when it comes to emotionality. Um, and this isn't just for neurodivergent kiddos. Um, it's for any kiddo, but it's even more important because things escalate so quickly with neurodivergent mm-hmm. kiddos is recognizing that it's going to be an issue before it's an actual issue. Right. So like we've talked in our previous episodes about how yellow tasks then become our red tasks. Right. Like so recognizing that. So if your child is struggling, maybe like you have a teen or tween that's struggling with turning in assignments Mm -hmm. really and not staying on top of it from like a punitive. You can have no missing assignments kind of way. But in a how can we motivate you in a way that's positive before it becomes this red power struggle, whether you're like attacking yourself or attacking others or I'm using emotionality to motivate you yeah and bringing up examples in the past I think is really powerful especially when we're talking tweens and teens because one of the best and this is true for neurodivergent kids one of the best learning modalities is watching peers or um, like similar aged individuals or examples from their their own previous experience as those learning opportunities like having them modeled there was a bunch of studies done on autistic children watching videos of their peers doing so like interpreting social cues and socially appropriate behaviors and how much they had learned from that um and i thought that was really interesting that came out in covid but Um, I use that a lot. And so what I call it is third person, third place, historical parallel, which means we can use like Lily is an eight year old girl in second grade 
and she didn't want to do her bedtime routine. And this is what happened when she didn't do her bedtime routine. Mm-hmm. Like, how can we get this done? So what you what happens to you, Lily, doesn't happen to you too. Mm-hmm. And it's something that is used commonly in like the therapy practice for emotions as well. Like kids place their emotions, or they'll they'll share their emotions through characters or through the their stories. Mm-hmm. That's why play therapy is so important. Yeah. Um, but it and it's easier to mm-hmm. connect with that sometimes, and the because I think the the awareness it's it's unconscious for them, right? The awareness isn't there about mm-hmm. themselves yet. Yes, which is why we talked about how important it is that you become aware because you can start at any age. This is something that really blew up on our TikTok. If y'all don't know, we're on TikTok as mindful as a mother. But one of them was that like emotional regulation is not a developmental milestone. Like emotional intelligence, you can start at any age, which is why we have adults who are now building the self-awareness. You and I included late diagnosed, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) like not sure what happened in our whole lives, Mm -hmm. but like we are now building the awareness Mm -hmm. and the toolbox and the skills to be able to work through this. And now we can see it in our children Mm -hmm. and also support them. And so even with our teens and tweens pulling examples of last Last quarter, when you had this assignment and it didn't get turned in, this is what happened to your grade and this is how you felt. Or when you were waiting till the last minute to turn in, this is what happened and then this is how it impacted like your friends and yourself and everyone in our family. Like, like that's what it was. We don't want that to happen, right? Like, pilling those in. The most common thing I see with like teens and tweens, I hate the word tween, but I don't have another word yeah, for it. It's the in between. Pre- preteen preteen okay. is um okay. that they will especially specifically neurodivergent ones is that they will not they'll be in yellow mm-hmm. for like the whole semester whole quarter oh yeah and then they will have so much to catch up on that they will feel overwhelmed and they will try and sprint in red mm-hmm. through the end of the quarter sometimes they'll pull it off sometimes they won't but then they end up in blue mm-hmm. and which is like um like overly blue like freeze burnout yeah. type situation self shaming because even if you did get it turned in now you feel shame about the quality or what didn't get done or sometimes we perpetuate this as parents by saying you know we know that our child did this and we say well you shouldn't have waited till the last minute which obviously but but then, um, well, you only got a C and then we harp on him about the C and it's like, instead of saying like, I'm really proud of like how you pulled it out at the end of the semester, but like, let's remember this, let's do something so that this doesn't happen again, because it's really hard, um, when you're overwhelmed to catch up. Right. Like, Mm -hmm. and so this comes back to like, um, approaching things from a place of curiosity with our kids rather than like, um, judgment or like emotionality on our part yes and there's a book called growing up mindful by dr christopher willard which i've talked about a few times on our podcast and he talks about the studies behind approaching things with curiosity Mm -hmm. and how it turns off the fight or flight response like it slips you into a parasympathetic state and so there's less reactivity when you're able to just approach something with curiosity which makes you more self aware and also more aware like relationally of the people around you outside of yourself mm-hmm. um so i want to talk a little bit about green and blue for kids so um blue specifically for neurodivergent kids 
um, screens can be like a thing that's blue for them. Mm-hmm. And they're, and every brain reacts differently to screens and screen time. And that's why I think that there's no hard and fast rule on like what yeah. screen usage should look like. Like the parent needs to be able to like look at the environment and situation and navigate what the boundary should be there. But that sometimes I think um, screens are very calming and parents use that, but then the time gets extended or it gets to be too much. And then it ends up not being a calming thing. Mm-hmm. And it's harder to then get off of them. Yeah. And I see this in my own life when we allow our kids. Because, like, I'm in probably, like, a lethargic blue state. So I'm watching something, like, all day. And so I'm letting my kids watch something all day. And then... I notice here's something I notice of their behaviors is at the end of the day, even though we've been awake all day, we have all of this loaded energy that has never been expanded. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, oh, that's eight, ten hours worth of energy that we have not allowed to, to move out of your body. The other thing I've noticed is with my kids specifically, um, watching a movie or show on a, a TV has way less impact than watching something on a tablet. I don't know why it's got to do with yes. the blue lights. Probably. There's probably like a scientific explanation for this. And also the introduction or non-introduction of YouTube. So if I have tablets and I let them watch shows on it or play games or even playing on the Switch, like, but the second, for some reason, YouTube Kids is involved, there's always an issue. Yeah. Immediately. Something about YouTube. Yeah. And I'm sure there's like, there's lots of people who believe they're like subliminal messaging programming our kids or whatever. And maybe they are. But like, I just think, and that, and that's where it's been so hard for me because it's something my kids really like and really want to watch. And we've been trying to find ways to like include that and um, make them know that their like wants and needs are important, but also like. Uh, this is can't be good for you. Yeah. So we watch actually on the TV. So I have YouTube kids as an app on the TV. And if there's a certain channel they want to watch, we sit and we watch it together as a family. Yeah. And they each pick a video and we do like the family time that way. Um, so that there's like that exposure to YouTube. We do go through phases where sometimes maybe I'll download it like on the iPad for a little bit and then I delete it. But I just want to give you the permission to like be ever changing in that. And yeah. it doesn't have to be hard and fast. And to see how your child responds and where they're at. Something I tell myself as a parent is I can always pull back on it. Mm -hmm. Always. And that's not just YouTube. So, for example, with uh, Layla, I know that she's neurodivergent. So I know that her brain works differently. It's much easier to become addicted to those things that are going to give you immediate dopamine releases, Mm -hmm. right? So kind of providing training wheels and step-by-step skill learning is kind of what we're doing together with this so that way this blue activity doesn't end up like harming her Mm -hmm. or us and so i got her we call it an ipod even though ipods don't exist anymore technically Mm -hmm. it's an iphone 7 that doesn't have any service and i have it locked down Mm -hmm. on all the parental controls so there's no service um and it's only on like my wi-fi and there's only only apps that I allow on it can be downloaded. It's all these restrictions and passwords and things like Apple has done a really good job on making sure that if you know that the controls are there, you have access to them as a parent. So what they have gotten a lot better. 
Because Apple used to be It used to be a nightmare. Unhinged, yeah. But it's like I set a specific age range on even the apps that she's allowed to search. And she's not even allowed to request me to download them because it's not within her like age range. And then I can review everything. So anyway, so that's a big part of it. But with this, I was like, okay, I'm going to give this to her and this is going to be training meals for us and I can always I can always remove it if it's too much right now. But what I wanted was I also knew to like eventually she'll have a phone like we all do, but I want her to have healthy boundaries and et cetera around it, especially with how her brain works. So we have set up certain things. So like I said, a screen time limit a day and it's only an hour a day period. She has to request extra. All of the apps get shut down other than I think Spotify kids. I let her keep Spotify yeah. kids for her um, night, like stories and things. Yeah. Um, so it's only an hour a day and she's aware of what the limit is. And then we have limits around like day of t- like time of day use. So we have to take care of all of our responsibilities first before we can use it. And that's in the morning and in the evening. Um, it's not a, like at night it goes into mom and dad's room like to charge for the night. It's not something we have access to after bedtime. Like we put it away at a certain time before we go to sleep, even if we have time left in that one hour a day. So all of these are like little tiny steps that I feel like are supporting her neurodivergence because we're piecing it out mm-hmm. of like we're gonna sit here and do this for a long time mm-hmm. till we learn these healthy habits like bit by bit within the development yeah and that's so good because it's so easy to get sucked into that the other thing i want to add this has nothing to do with being in blue but it just came to me is when a child is in red I like to offer as much autonomy as possible. Mm. Um, and this is anytime a child is heightened emotionally um, because it can feel very out of control. So if they're struggling and they're like emotional about it, so it's like, would you like to pick up your laundry first or pick up your toys first? And like that little bit of like feeling like they're in control can be really helpful in shifting from more of like mm-hmm. a red to more of like a healthy motivation. So I just wanted to include that before. I yeah. And unpacking that as a parent, because it's like I might want them to do take a bath right now and this is what we get a lot I'm like, okay go get in the bath it's time to set our bedtime routine oh can i do it in 15 minutes so then i'm like okay my underlying belief that i was raised with is i asked you to do it you need to do it now mm-hmm. okay but then the, the thing that i challenge it with is in 15 will 15 minutes make that much of a difference like can i allot for that amount of autonomy mm-hmm without it having consequences and typically it's a yes so it's really like catching yourself too as a parent of like okay i'm reparenting myself in this way like yes i asked you to get in the bath you asked me for 15 minutes and typically what i ask myself is like is there a good reason to say no and if not then i say sure that sounds good in 15 minutes Mm -hmm. but then in 15 minutes we really follow through it's not like oh and 15 more and then 15 more 15 Mm -hmm. more so like that's a whole whole other debacle there but it's like it, it it's choosing like how to examine those underlying beliefs. Yeah. And it and that can be tricky and um there can still be like say you give the autonomy and then there's still pushback. That can be difficult for parents. Like, why did I give the autonomy in the first place? Mm-hmm. And you have to that's where you have to mentally unpack. Like you're not giving the autonomy as a way to avoid the pushback because you're gonna get the pushback either way. Mm-hmm. Like it's just may, might be part of it. But it's a way to work on 
you know, maybe avoiding that pushback or keeping them out of the red when they are doing the task, right? Like, yeah. So just keep that in mind. It doesn't mean that it doesn't work because the goal is not for them. And this, you got to unpack this. Talk to your therapist. The goal <laughs> is not for your kids to just listen and obey. Yeah. Okay. So talk to your therapist about that one. But let's talk about green. Yes, green. What about it? So I was thinking about green and I'm like, oh, I know what lights me up as a human and like what I really enjoy and what helps me feel hopeful and energized. Like, how can I see that in my kids? Music. My kids love music. Love it. Like they light up, they dance around. Like, and those are the, these are the things too that I think that like they, I see them in their most pure joy states in. Mm-hmm. Those are their green things. Yes. That's what I was going to say. Okay. You can tell. You can tell what things are green for your kids by what they repeatedly ask for too so like one day and it can change daily but one day I had Rory and we were at my office and she was playing with the toys in my playroom and she said mom can we go home and play will you play a game with me Ooh, and I was like oh okay yes so that let me know that that quality time with her was a green activity for her Mm -hmm. right or things that I feel like really light them up like um Doing, reading books is one. Me reading to them is one. Um, Listening to music and dancing is another one. Crafts. Yeah, crafts. So things that they like willingly want to do and like ask to do. And you can hear it by kind of what they say Mm -hmm. is one of the things I was thinking, which is really hard. But so it's like Rory was like, will you go home and play this game with me? Like she has this unlimited playroom of toys that she never gets to see and then asked to go back to our house and play a game with me. I was like, okay, like quality time is green for her. Mm-hmm. And once you know that, you can work that into their schedule. And so like if you see them in the red a lot you can use those green activities to help motivate them so like for teenagers i think friends are a great green opportunity and this is where it gets tricky because you don't want to take friends away but you also want to like structure the time and energy with friends or sports if they have a sport that they really love and care about um or another extracurricular so that it can be helpful in motivating them and recognizing that like our kids need green time yes. regardless of what their behavior looks like or what their grades are or any of those things, right? Because I think some parents, their first reaction is, well, to motivate them, I'm taking everything away. And I'm not saying there shouldn't be consequences, but like it's really hard to motivate an unmotivated person when their bucket is not being filled with activities that fill yes. them up. Like how easy would it be for you if someone said you cannot do anything until you do this thing that you is really hard for you to do? It probably wouldn't motivate me to actually get the thing done. I would just be in the red, like yeah. angry and sad. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of what it is for our kids. I think another red trap we fall into as parents is than not wanting our kids to miss out on stuff. So signing them up for all of the activities when in reality that is making them like, go, go, go. We're at school all day being stimulated and learning and then we're in aftercare and then we're doing this sport and then we're at this game. And then it's like, well, we're we're pushing them into that really busy lifestyle, which is ultimately draining and they're not getting any kind of recharge. Yeah, and like, um, I did a TikTok on this this week, but like your sensory system is like gonna be burnout. So we went camping 
this past weekend and it's a lot it's a lot for my kids it's a lot of like interaction a lot of energy a lot of sun um a lot of social situations not enough sleep all the things right Mm -hmm. or like going on vacation is like this we came back and I told my babysitter even this is like a low expectation day like I took everything like that was not absolutely necessary like really it was like they will brush their teeth today and that was it (laughs) you know what I mean they will eat meals they will brush their teeth and they can like watch movies they can go play outside if they want but like really it's not going to be a busy go 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 day and they needed that like yeah. day to recharge from all of like being go 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 so it's not that you can't do these fun things it's that you have to do it in a way that supports your specific child and yes. and that may mean like say you go to Disneyland right and maybe three back to back days at Disneyland is not going to be good for your neurodivergent child but maybe you go one day yeah. and then you take an off day and, like, you give them the day in between to just, like, hang at the hotel or whatever to, yeah. like, recharge before the level of stimulation again. Yeah. Or let's say you went three days back to back and it was good. And we still need that downtime afterwards. It's yeah. So you come home and you build it into yeah. your home Because there's going to be times in life when we are really in this red, this, like, the demands and the productivity or the, the event, et cetera, is going to be a high demand for a short period of time. It's about interweaving the green and the blue so you can continue to support them and that's like basic needs like you said and this is true for adults too like am i getting at least eight hours of sleep am i taking care of my physical needs do i need to go to the bathroom do i need to drink water do i need to eat um and these are a couple things that even tamar rosier talks about in the book is doing check-ins morning check-in midday check-in evening check-in like in the middle of the day, she would set an alarm for herself to just check in on, oh, this is, I know this is a red week for me because there's just a lot of high demand. And so midday, am I taking care of those basic needs? Like, oh, do I have, I do I have to go to the bathroom? Because like sometimes that's the thing where I'm like, oh, I haven't eaten all day, right? Yeah. And I think just being, and it's, it's, it requires a lot of attunement, which is a word we use a lot, being yeah. connected to our kids, aware of their patterns and presence. And that can be really difficult if you don't have this down yourself. So mm-hmm. when you are taking care of yourself, when you are structuring your schedule in this way yourself and your tasks, then you are in a place where you emotionally have the energy to be attuned and respond to your kids. Yeah. And so if you're struggling with that, like I would recommend taking a step back, working on yourself so that you have the capacity to be attuned and support your kids in this. Yeah, to teach them the same skills. One thing I really appreciate about the Selvig grid is the overall mindset shift that you don't have to do anything to deserve rest and recharge. It should naturally be part of a built-in schedule for you and your children. And I was raised in a life that was like, you need to prove your worth. You need to be productive. You need to achieve, achieve, achieve. And I really value being able to teach to my children that part of achieving is also like achieving rest, achieving joy, Mm -hmm. like having fulfillment outside of productivity. Mm -hmm. And I think our society as a whole is moving in that direction. So it makes it easier to unpack because I think we become conditioned to those beliefs on multiple levels, whether it's Mm -hmm. through um, like education, social media, our parents, all of those things, and really taking a step back and saying, is this what is best for me and my child, or am I doing this because I feel like I should, or I need to earn rest? Yeah. Okay, well, see you next week. 
Thanks for coming to Mindful as a Mother podcast. If you'd like more of us at Mindful as a Mother, you can find Paige at Instagram at Parenting with Paige and Lindsay at Linz underscore Adams LCSW. Find us on TikTok, Instagram, and in our Facebook group, creating community and smashing parental stigma, embracing mindful motherhood and positive parenting. Thanks so much and see you next time.